Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tide Chasers Podcast. I'm Dan, one of the hosts. I have my co-host aside, uh, Qua across the way, but I'm going to first get into all the intros here. You know, we, uh, we've been doing this for, I don't know, the better part of nine months now. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Tide Chasers Podcast. You can also find us on Instagram, Tide underscore Chasers. Uh, we are on all of your popular platforms, iHeartRadio. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We are also on Waypoint TV, which is our newest platform that we are very excited about. Again, I'm going to tee up Qua Crossway. How you doing, buddy? Uh, it's about that time of year. It's about that time of year, man. It's getting cold. Boats getting ready to be winterized, put away. And uh, I'm going to be spending my winter season watching everyone catch fish and me sitting here staying warm. Uh, but yeah, our guest today, I'm pretty super excited, man, because uh, I've been following him on Instagram for quite a bit. And, you know, he's put some big fish and I'm, I'm super excited to hear some of these stories about these big fish. Yeah, man, he doesn't know what it means to stay warm because this is prime time to get out there chasing these fish. But without further ado, welcome. This is Corey Mayo from the Virginia Beach area. How you doing, Corey? What's going on, you guys? Very excited on, to have man. you on, brother. I'm excited, too. It's been a long time time coming yeah man so so you know how this kind of rolls you you listen to the pot podcasts we kind of get back get the background story so what what was it that got you into fishing uh, you know when you were younger what what introduced you to the world of fishing and then how did that progress to kind of how you are today where, where you're at today at this point yeah so i was born and raised in virginia my mom she's from uh green bay wisconsin and like her whole life she was up uh, northern wisconsin camping fishing and stuff so I was like like six or seven we went to a family reunion up there and my uncle took his fishing first the first time you know bluegills were spawning and just catching one after another and this obsession just took off from there 
Yeah, that's a that's a that's a common gateway drug in the fishing world is the bluegills. They they get us all excited and and get us all amped up for the the next things down the road. So so you went from bluegills and then where you live in Virginia, you have a lot of water around around you. You you uh, are you more of a uh, I'm going to go with the assumption that you're more of a saltwater fisherman like myself, but you t you uh, dabble in the freshwater when you can. Uh, what is it that, that's about your area that's that's unique that allows you to a lot of opportunities to, to fish and uh, and really test out your skills in fresh and soft salt water like i said like you said there's just water everywhere like some days i have no like no clue like what to go fishing for because I, I just want i just want to go catch them all <laughs> yeah I, I i i come down there pretty often there, there's there is a lot of water to tackle and I'm still, I've been doing this for, I don't know, three, four years. I've been coming down there to fish and, and I, I try to, 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 to fish a newer part of the, 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 I guess the seven cities or whatever they call it down there to, to get a, a good idea of, you know, the area. There's just so much water that holds, you know, these red fish and speckled, speckled trout. And uh, it's, it's amazing. You know, it's, it's, I don't know how you get up and say, I'm going to tackle this area or I'm going to tackle this fishery. What, what is it that, that sets, you know, whether it be seasons or, or whatever, what is it that sets one fishery apart from another for you to, to say, this is what I want to target for today? Yeah, it's, it's really depends on the season and the weather for Oak Pro. It's like in the summertime, we're mainly like Kobe and spear fishing. Right. And then, you know, end of, end of the summer transition in the fall, we're, we're inshore fishing from like August all the way up till in April. Now, right now, you it's it's prime time to hunt those those larger speckled trout and and some some nice uh, slot size red drum. Are you, you having some pretty good good luck with that right now? Yeah, mainly the speckled trout, not so much the redfish. But those those speckled trout, they get big in winter time. Now you, you, uh, you, I, I see you as part of the, the release over 20 a lot, you know, you're releasing a lot of these larger fish. Do you know how many of these, uh, the larger 20 inch plus fish you've released so far this year, particularly in the fall going into the winter time? Dude, to be honest with you, I lost count. <laughs> now, now with all this, this water that you have to tackle around you, you know, the, the obviously the fish are staging and way, uh, sometimes a ways away from the bay. You know, are you referring to like when you're when you're when you're getting into your fishing, are you referring back to, you know, previous trips back in the day or do you keep logs to kind of say, OK, I'm used to fishing this area this period of time. I, I'm used to some bigger fish being around this time time of year. You know, are, are you keeping like detailed logs or is it just more, you know, the historical in your head? This is what you do every time at this point in the year. I mean, to be honest with you. I'm only going Google Maps and just find new, new spots like now it's like back in the day like before social media and stuff you could go out and fish your favorite spot and no one's there but now it's getting harder and harder like every day i go out to find a spot that hasn't been like molested by everybody you know what i'm saying so you you grew up in virginia has it always been in the virginia beach area with all that water to tackle yeah, I, I mainly fish. I fish Norfolk and Virginia Beach. Gotcha. So you get you get a lot of the the you know the tributaries and the rivers that are feeding the Chesapeake Bay out that way. Oh yeah. Now right right now you know right now it's it's uh, it's you know colder water. The, the fish are slowing down. 
kind of give us an idea how you're you're going about your days to target these larger class of uh, speckled trout out there that you're 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 getting out there after night in and night out. So mainly what I look for, especially if it's cold, you want to look for that deeper water. And then especially like the drop off where it, where it goes from like, you want to find a spot where it goes from like five foot to like almost like 20 foot, like snap of the finger. And nine times out of 10, they're, they're, they're sitting there. I, I, like to throw, I like to throw bigger bait. It's like a bigger profile. You know what I'm saying? Because the colder they get, like it's like they, they slow down. And I, I, I've come to find out they, they prefer a bigger bait. I saw you see me, I, I posted earlier about the, uh, the double XL. Yeah, the, the mirror deans, right? Yeah, like I, I, I throw that double XL so much that like it's become like the normal size. Like I throw anything, anything small. I feel like I'm, I'm throwing something that's, like it's too small for them. So you, you finding that that in the fall more so than other seasons is, is going to be a, a fish magnet. That's going to be what you're catching your fish on in, in the fall and the winter time. Or are you throwing that that larger profile year round? Maybe in the winter in the, in the winter time when the water cools down, like in the spring, I'll throw a heavy dime. OK. Yeah, mainly that 808 color. Gotcha. So you're you're fishing more uh, you're fishing smaller, smaller baits in the springtime, a little bit smaller baits. Yeah. Uh, and more soft plastics in the spring, or you mix it up pretty much, you know, soft plastics in the fall as well. Dude, I can't even tell you last time I do a soft plastic. I'm, <laughs> I'm mainly throwing that, that mirror lure. What, what is it about the, the mirror lure that you, you found has uh, been your, your confidence lure? Is it just that you, you feel like any, any point out there, you can get out there in the, you know, in that cold water and, and, and find fish with it. You know, it's a, it's more calling in the fish or, or it's just your confidence lure. You tie that on, you feel like you're going to find the fish or you know where they're going to be. And they're going to, you're going to call out some of those larger fish. Yeah, it just, it just puts off a lot of, a lot of thump. And like I was telling you earlier, like every time I go in the tackle shop, I, I got to find some of the rattle in it. Now, so now, now we're going to rewind a little bit going back to the, the spring and summertime fisheries. You know, we, we talk a lot about sheep's head and, and you know, red drum and cobio in here. Uh, you know, once, once you get into those seasons, how is it that you decide yourself, like, hey, I want to really start targeting, you know, this fishery? How, as opposed to the, the fall where it really slows down, it's more like puppy drum, tog, and maybe speckled trout. Whereas spring, summertime, you have a lot more options, whether it be, you know, the cobia fishery or the, the, the bull red drum or, or, you know, sheep's head or striped bass, so, you know, that are passing up the out, out of the bay in the early spring. You know, how do you decide in the spring what you're going to target at that point? I mean, springtime. We'll, we'll mainly fish for like the inshore species until like the cobia coming. Yeah, I, there's, a, there's an old saying down here. They say, uh, when you see fireflies, in there that's when the cobia are here okay and that's usually like mid-may late may area or something like that yeah like this this past year we were uh it was like middle of may and my uh my friend he had just bought a new uh tower boat and i'm like yeah we're gonna go out there and just just see if they're there so we're out there i was like we're not gonna see nothing man i didn't see nothing and then my brother just shouts out in the distance he's like yo there's he's like there's two cobias we'll talk water Sure enough, man, two big ones just swing right on the beach. Like, man, <laughs> it's, just, it's just phenomenal down here. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I get I get made fun of a lot for making the trip, but I just can't get over, you know, the the amount of fisheries that you have right in your backyard, essentially. You know, you have a lot of different things, whereas, you know, your southern species are meeting some of our species that are migrating south, to, you know, for the for the wintertime. You know, you, you get you're kind of like the, the crossroads where a lot of things pass. And I, I like to come down there and fish, you know, for red, red drum and speckled trout and obviously get on the, the, the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel. You know, speaking of that Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel, how much do you how much time do you spend out there seasonally? Is it going to be more spring, summer or is it more as you do you spend less time out there in wintertime, like with tog and things like that? Is it more going to be spring, summer for, you know, the red drum and cobia and things like that? I mean, it's mainly year round. Like I don't own a boat. My friends have boats. Right. So whenever they, they whenever they call me to go, I'm going. Now, that was, actually, that was going to be my question. Is um, so a lot of your photos and stuff are of bigger fish. Now, do you land based fish a lot, or do you have a kayak? Or I mean, you just said you don't have a boat. Uh, so mostly, what's what's most of your fishing based off of uh, land based then? Yeah, mainly mainly on foot. Man on foot, you're you're a brave man. I've lived in Virginia Beach for three years, and I know the access in those areas non-existent. It's not. I, it's non-existent. I I lived out there, so I I kind of I never fished though, but I lived out there for a few years, and uh yeah, for a fact, I know a few guys down there that live there, and they yeah they say fishing access by foot is it's it's no wonder you use Google Maps. So many restrictions, so many accesses. It's but. For you to achieve what you have with being on foot, that's that's a pretty good achievement, just as it is, man. Yeah, a lot of spots you're getting kicked out of without it, without a doubt. Yeah, uh, one thing I I noticed when I first started coming down there is, you know, the the access to the jetties and things like that is non-existent. You're not allowed to fish the jetties and things like that. Mm -hmm. Which up here, it's like a it's a way of life. You know, fishing the jetties is a way of life for some of these guys, like Qua in particular. You know him and uh, him and Johnny and and Aaron, who are our buddies of us, and I have been on the show. You know that's how they got. That's how they started getting to know one another. Was out on the rocks, and you guys don't even have the ability to do that really, except for like in parts of Rudy along the wall there. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's it's just kind of the access is is wild. Like what? How do you how do you get around that? Obviously, you said Google Maps, but your experience has gotten you to the point where. You know, you, you share intel with a bunch of other anglers around. I, I mean, obviously, your brother also is a big time fisherman. Um, do you guys kind of share information like, hey, we found this spot and this is where it's it's been going off? You have like kind of a, a networking of sorts. I mean, mainly like it's just time spent on the water, like, you know, doing your homework. Like I said, like Google Maps is a powerful tool. Like you look, if I showed you my Google Maps, I have like over hundreds of spots marked on my phone. Like you, I pull it up, you see nothing yellow around this area. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've been finding pins from years ago that I forgot to even pin. I'm like, man, there's a reason why I pinned that. I, I, I go past the spot. I'm like, this looks really good. And I'm out on the river. I'm like, oh, I pinned it because it looks really good because I, it looked like a great piece of water that I wanted to fish. Yeah, I, I find pins that I, I forgot to even go back and revisit. So I, I totally get where you're coming from there. I mean, it's just a matter of, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of finding a bite myself. You know, that, that's, a, that's the biggest thing. But, you know, you, we all have our networks where we, sh we share information. And, and I'm sure you have a, a pretty tight-knit network down there as well. I mean, it's been like a, I hate to say it's been like a don't ask, don't tell kind of situation. Well, like, especially, no, go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead, you're good, go ahead. 
especially when you get into like those bigger, the bigger trout. I mean, those kind of fish end up, uh, they're pretty special and they kind of end up in, in areas where, you know, it could potentially be pretty sensitive. So I understand why, why you would protect the bite like that. Yeah. I don't know if you got, you guys familiar with, um, like Winhaven, Chicks Beach area? Yeah. Yeah. So I know commercial fishing is legal and all. And there, there's a guy down here, I guess, like, he's like grandfathered into like commercial fishing off the beach to have a pound net. Right. I mean, you guys would not believe the size speckled trout they pull out of there. We actually, we've actually seen some of those videos. Yeah, we've seen the video of that guy. One of my buddies, one of our buddies, Trung, was down there vacationing. He was just walking the beach, and he actually happened to run up on this dude while he was in the middle of pulling his nets. And, yeah, we saw, like, 30-inch-plus gators in there. Like, literally, just they just they were just throwing them in those orange buckets. Like, it hurt our soul every minute. We saw every gator they were pulling out, tossing into, tossing into the, the, you know, those commercial buckets. It's just like, guys, come on. They're so, I mean, they were like, they were smaller, 18 and 20s, and they were, they didn't care about those. They were more like, really worried about grabbing the gators and tossing them in these buckets. And I was just like, dude, the amount of babies these gators could, dude, I just want to cry. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. Like most of us, we'll fish for years looking for that like 30 inch gator, you know what I mean? And then these guys are just racking them in through the net. So I'm just like, every, every gator they take out is one that we can't catch for, you know, for that trophy fish we always wanted and you know know what most of all of us we're getting that photo and we're just releasing it you know what i mean but these guys it's i mean we understand i guess the fact it's it's their way of living but at the same time it's like they do this every day there's not going to be any fish so yeah and then they'll you know, a couple guys they'll like get on social media and post a picture with the fish i'm like dude that doesn't count like that you don't get enjoyment out of like you yeah. know going out and exploring and like hunting the fish, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I think that that's the most part, most fun about it is going out and exploring the water. You know yep. what I'm saying? I know, I know some people say, yeah, don't, don't ever leave fish to find fish, but it's like, you go to a spot, you're catching, 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 catching them. It's like, all right, it's time to move and explore the water, you know, find, find a new bite. I mean, yeah, that, 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 that term does go right. Don't leave fish to find fish, but, when you've caught enough, when you've caught that fish, when you've caught these fishes enough, it's about time you leave fish to find bigger fish. You know what I mean? It gets to the point like, like I've caught striped bass for years and I'm at a point where I'm like, I'm looking for that one. You know what I mean? I'm looking for that one that's going to tell me that like I, I finally made it. You know what I mean? That, that, that ultimate 50 pound striped bass is kind of like the goal of all of us striped bass fishermen. But you know, it's, you're going to keep hunting until you do. Yeah, I'll find topwater bite for like three hours straight, four hours straight of like 28, 30 inch bass, but that's not what I want. I'm looking for that like 40 pounder, 45 pounder, you know what I mean? So you gotta leave, you gotta leave small fish to find bigger fish. That's 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 all we can do. It gets to a point as an angler, when you're first beginning, you love the action. Well being, but then it gets to a point where you're like you're dedicating certain days, you'll fish 12 hours to find that one bite. You know what I mean? You'll throw that mirrodine. 300 times a day until you get that one thump you know you get that one toilet bowl flush that's all you want and you know i mean that 28 30 inch you know spec is what you're looking for so yeah we get some big specs down here like i was the other day one of my friends she sent me you go on you go on that uh, internet you can like look up the all the citations in virginia mm -hmm. and he's selling to me man 
I guess some guy, he called a 37 inch trout. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, I guess uh, it said it said kept. So I was like, nah, you can't be lying because he took it in, into the, the bait shop and weighed it. I said, holy cow, that's a big trout. I mean, as much as I would lo- like, as much as I would love it, like if I was to catch one and I know it had a potential to be a state record, it'll be a battle for me. Like, do I have to kill it to get the state record certified, or do I let this let the be- let, let the beauty go and let her keep do her thing? You know what I mean? It's like I've always had it. I've always caught that. Like if I ever went out and I caught a fish that I had no had like a potential state record, like if I was to catch a what do we at? 21 pound sheep's head right because i think our state record is like 19 pounds so if i would you know so so if i catch a 21 pound sheep's head do i harvest it to bring it in just the way so i can get the title of like hey look i'm the new record holder for the state or do i release it me knowing the way i am i'm probably going to end up getting a photo getting length and maybe a bogle grip real quick wait on it and then i'd probably release it like to me i think the state record's not worth harvesting a fish that that big and that old you know what i mean yeah so yeah i can't i mean could you even fit that fish in your live well qua uh no no <laughs> i was gonna no. say we could drive we could dri- try to drive over to chris at tight lines no matter where we're at down south and nah and, uh, i wouldn't I, I wouldn't even attempt to do that you know yeah. i mean sheep's head are super hardy but like for specs they aren't that hardy i don't think they are i i've never targeted them but like I don't think they're at hardy that could just stay in a cooler for like a little bit and then no I wouldn't see I wouldn't even risk them a fish 37 inches I wouldn't even risk a fish that size like out of the water more than like two or three minutes. I mean speaking of that Corey I mean you guys are constantly holding your breath down there like waiting for the next freeze is that something that's always on your mind as an angler you know you know uh, targeting these larger specs you know that you could potentially have one of those big freezes that could wipe out large portions of the population. Yeah, definitely. Like past like, past like two, three years, we've been blessed. I know. With warm, with warm winters. So it's like every year I'm praying, I'm like, yo, please let us have a warm winter. Yeah, it's like you know it's bound to happen one of these years that you're gonna have one of those big James River freezes that's gonna wipe out tons of trout, but you know, you just kind of hold your breath. Yeah, I remember the one year the whole the whole James River froze over. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was it was tons of stripers in there. Like it, it wasn't just trout, but it like destroyed the trout. And then, you know, you had the, the trout fishery over in Texas that took a big, uh, took a big hit, you know, with all the storms over the summer and the spring too, this year. So, you know, the last thing you want to see is uh, any kind of winter, winter weather affecting those fisheries for us, especially Virginia. I mean, like, like you said, Virginia has constantly led the, the efforts, the conservation efforts for these, these larger fish, you know, you're seeing, even with the, the release over 20 numbers that they're constantly far and away the top, the top state. And you're, you're one of those big dogs. that's uh, that's releasing a lot of those big fish. So I'm sure a lot of those guys appreciate that. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Really, so, yeah I've, been, I've been, I've been seeing, uh, good. No, I get you. Good. Go ahead. You've been seeing. Yeah. I've been seeing uh, lately, like different people, like not the same people in each month. Yeah. And that's awesome that people are like, like, participating in the initiative yeah i mean we when we got involved uh with the, with the sheep's head thing and dave from i strike you know was on board with that you know we talked about the potential of how difficult it would be to turn the tide for sheep's head you know seeing some of these larger fish getting released because 
you know, sheep's head is a, is a big, especially down south this time of year, is a big food fish. And some of those big fish are, are sitting targets. So, you know, it was, it was nice to see some numbers. He said that they've kind of slowed down. So we, we kind, of, kind of keep one of putting the foot to, foot to the pedal on that. But it was nice to see a lot of those larger sheep's head getting released as part of the release over 20. Yeah. But, man, we get some monster sheep's head. Oh, here. oh no doubt. Big, no doubt. Off that oh, big bridge. Oh, man. Like some of the ones I've seen down there. It's like nine times out of ten, you see them, they're gone. Like, as soon as you see them, like you gotta pull, like you gotta, you know, what I'm saying, pull the trigger, or they dart off. Yeah, that's they're, they're that spooky, huh? Yeah, they're, they're, they're really that's, that's crazy because I've been in Florida, I've, I've been in Florida plenty of times, and the sheep over there will literally come up to you and kind of like bump you, and like, but I guess it's it's guess it's just the sheep's up in in our area, colder water. They're just they're a little bit more spooky, and I've known for a fact, like I've seen a bunch of videos when you guys you know fish to cbbt there's there's some donkeys down there like we're we're talking 20 20 21 22 23 pounds there's got to be like a 30 pound fish down there somewhere definitely yeah like it's funny you say this thing about florida because i was down in st Pete beach fish on the beach and like i'm literally on the beach and i have like sheep's head like a foot away from me and they would not bite anything man no, nah, they're, they're 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 weird. They ain't jump. They ain't jumbles like ours, but they're just like you know, they're just everywhere down there. They're like they're like the nuisance of everything. They they they're just they they get involved in everything. They eat all our stuff. So, but uh, yeah, the, the more north you get, the more we appreciate those fish. That's for mm -hmm. sure. Oh, definitely. Hey, hey, Corey, before I hand this over to Quao on his side of things, now, now I know you know with my brother, we were very competitive growing up. You both are big time fishermen. You know, does it get competitive between the two of you? You guys have like that sibling rivalry going back and forth, like uh, with some of these fisheries. Oh yeah, definitely. So mainly, like the people I fish is my brother and my good childhood, my good childhood friend. I don't, I don't know if you ever seen me post him. He goes by the name of Vanilla Ike on yeah. Instagram. Yep. So it's like every time we go fishing, it's like we're always in a competition. So like some some days, like some days, like we'll go out. And they're 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 slaying the fish. I'm over here not catching nothing. I look at them. I'm like, will you guys teach me how to catch catch trout? <laughs> but but every dog has their day. I'm I'm sure you have. Uh, I'm sure you have plenty of times where you you uh, have their number as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Like sometimes we'll, we'll all be throwing the same lure, and one of us is not catching. Them. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Like sometimes like, I'll be overthinking. Like the one one I was throwing, I, I had my um. But 1,000 stratic with me, and I was just overthinking. They're sitting here catching them. And I'm like, yo, what am I doing wrong? Like, I think I have the wrong size reel, wrong size line. <laughs> you went too light for them on that one. You got to have the right wiggle. Yeah, it definitely. It's all about that wiggle. Now, now, who out of out of you and your, your brother, who has the largest, uh, the largest trout? That's the one on the wall? That's the one. It's funny, that, that fish right there – you know, you guys, I'm pretty sure you guys know who he is. Charlie Church? Yeah. 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 That's actually, he he tagged that fish, and I recaught it. That's pretty amazing. Nice. And then we had we had Justin on the on the podcast uh, months ago talking about, you know, some of these mounts. I think he brought up your mount also that, that day. Justin, who did the did, did that back there, uh, did the, 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 the artwork, not mount, but the artwork back there. Oh yeah, man, I seen. I was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta get one. So it was, it was really, it's really cool. And the guy, guys, really, 
really a great dude. Yeah, he's he's a solid guy. He does some great work. Now, how big was that trout? That one right there, he was 29 and a half. 29. Yeah, I'm, I'm still looking for that, that 30 inch. That, 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 happens. Half, that half an inch uh, counts, man. It does count. That half an inch does count. It's, it's got a grind on you that you're that close. I mean, like yeah. that's a spe- that's a special fish. I mean, even that 29 and a half, we, we all know that's a special fish, but mm-hmm. 30 inch mark on the, on those speckled trout is just like, that's uncharted territory. There. That's there's, there's not a lot of people that, that live in that world. No, definitely not. That 30 inch mark is like, it's the made for men. You know what I mean? So we keep hunting for that one fish. Like I said, that one fish. So you're going to keep hunting for it. You'll find her. She's out there. Unless these things, unless these commercial guys get her first. Yeah. I pulled out, I pulled that thing was screaming drag. Like I pulled out of the water and it was just jaw dropper. I was like, yo, this fish just looks unreal. Like I couldn't, believe it i was like yeah this thing looks fake and it's funny because like right before i called that one my brother he caught a he caught a 28 wow well i guess big fish hang together or what yeah definitely yeah i really really think that i've I've always wondered right so i know smaller specs i've seen them their colors are like gorgeous now when you get into like the 28 29 um you know 30 inch not do they get do they do still do they still have that same beautiful look or do they get like kind of uglier because they've gotten old over years i always wondered i've never seen one that big Oh no, they they're pretty. Like it's okay. like their, their spots are more like spread out, mm-hmm. you know. And they're, they're they actually have a blue tint to their tails. Perfect. That, that's what I wanted to know because I know for 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 sheep's, you know, when they're four, five, six pounds, they they have that beautiful stripe, solid black, silver, little little purple blue hue in them. But when they get to like ten pounds, twelve, fifteen pounds, they 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 lose some of their colors they're not silver they're missing teeth they're beat up looks like they went through war and came back so i I always wonder i was like some species bigger fish get uglier and uglier as they get so anyway you know what they say like the uglier fish the better they taste i guess i mean i guess we go when you go like monkfish and stuff like that right when you're offshore those ugly looking things that look like bats they apparently their fillets are incredible so yeah i mean i know some people down here that they eat oyster toads (laughs) <laughs> uh i know a few asians that eat oyster toads too so yeah i'm, I'm not that hungry <laughs> eat oyster toads i mean I, I i know people that harvest uh spiny dogfish you know what i mean i mean but you think about it, in the uk uh fish fish and chips come from dogfish so yeah you make a meal out of just about anything i suppose right yeah pretty much all right. So, uh, yeah, before we get into like back on track to where we were thinking, I, this is one thing I've always, I'm just getting into it because this year I just started trying it. Sight fishing for cobia, right? This, this I always wanted to talk to someone that has done it. And I, I've never, I, I tried it a few times this year. We get, I get, we get a few run-ins with them, but it's like, it's a lost art. Like I have no clue what I'm doing. So hypothetically Dude, <laughs> hypothetically all right yeah, you're, huh? you're getting me excited talk, you're getting me excited talking about it <laughs> yeah, that's, the, that's the idea that's what i like to i like to hear so pulling up just say one of your buddies out you guys are on the top towers you're pulling up to a school now are your cobias on bunker or are they just free swimming most of the time uh bunker and free swimming so like it's funny you mentioned a tower like, my, like i said my, my friend he just bought a, a new tower boat mm-hmm and he has, ta- he has a 19-foot Carolina skiff. And his tower is only big enough for him to be up there. Yeah. So our process is he'll be in the tower. 
me and my bro, me and my bro on the bow. Okay. He sees a fish. He'll know, let us know where it's at. And one of us casts. He misses. Owen casts. But man, get some big cobia down here. All right, but like, what? How do you determine what you're going to throw at him? Because you know, cobia. I mean, I, I assume they just hit anything that moves. Because you guys be throwing bucktails, right? And then you guys usually have maybe a live spot set up or maybe a live eel set up just in case they don't want the bucktails. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, this this past year I didn't catch a single one on bucktail eels. Mm-hmm. Like they they love eels, especially the smaller ones. So, so you literally just pitch the eel in front of them and just let it drop and then just watch them and see if they hit it or not? Yeah, so when you see them, mm-hmm. you want to cast, like, a little bit in front of them. And you'll, you'll burn it past their face. As soon as they turn on it, you'll, uh, you usually want to flip your bail, and they'll, right. they'll swallow it, and you just set the hook on them. Okay, so I'm assuming you're using circle hooks then, right? If oh, yeah, uh, definitely you, circle, circle hooks. Yeah, okay, so, so literally you, you're going to cast five, six feet. So you figure you know which direction they're headed. You're going to throw five, six feet in front of them. Burn, burn the eel right by them. As soon as you see their head turns, flip the bale open, let them grab the eel. And as soon as they start running with the eel, you're going to close it. And they're pretty much heave into them, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I, I ran into a few this year, and they literally uh, – yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. I was throwing all sorts of crap at them. And they, they just looked at it like they're they're like, what the heck is this guy doing? Just swam off. Besides that, boats besides me left and right are hooking up on like 50, 60-pounders, and I'm sitting here tinkling with a – God knows I'm throwing anything at them. And I just like, I'm just like, you know what? I got to learn this. This is the very first season I went out for them. I don't have a tower, so I stand on my, uh, my polling platform which is not fun in a little skiff out in the middle of the ocean. But I'm standing up there looking for Kobe on my platform. I mean, to be honest, you don't, you don't, you don't really need a tower to catch him. Like my other friend, my other friend Cam, I mm. fish with, he don't have a tower. And we slay him in his skiff. Like we, like we, this past summer, we had just launched out of, uh, over in Hampton, this place called Wallace's. So we get out of the inlet, we get to that first, the first uh, channel marker. And we see like, this fish was so big, we thought it was three of them swimming together. So we went closer. It was a monster cobia. He cast, and the cobia didn't turn on it. So I went ahead and cast. I don't know if you got. I have the video. I have the video on my Instagram. I was using that 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 seafoam tsunami rod, mm-hmm. and I bow up on this cobia, and I'm fighting it, fighting it, fighting it, and the rod snaps in half. So I'm I'm reeling this fish in with like half a rod. Rod. and then we finally get in the boat and i'm like yo this is a, a huge fish i for sure i for sure thought it was busting 60 pounds all day so we got back to dock weight it was only 50 50 pounds that's still, still a big good. fish though. that's still a good fish i mean on a half a rod on a half a rod i mean my boat's filled with those uh my those seafoam green tsunami rods i love them to death and i mean i've i boated some big fish on those too but man for you really? cr- yeah man so Everybody knows that's had it. Mm-hmm. The rod is broke. Like my friend Ike, he still has one. I'm like, yo, the day's coming. You're gonna break that rod. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've 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 put four, 40 pounds striped bass on it. Uh, big ginormous gator blues on it. I haven't put another Kobe on it yet, but like I've I put this thing to work, and then like it hasn't broke yet. So, but then yeah, you but, can't, hey, but you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with the Shimano rod. The Shimano. That's, well, that's the next one I'm buying. Which uh, which rod are you looking at? The, like it's the Terramar? Um, yeah, the Shimano Terramar, uh, the not the extra heavy, 
but the extra, extra heavy. The extra duty heavy one. Uh, nothing is getting off of that. Like we see, we seen a cub. We seen a cub be so big this past summer. Like this thing had a track, like a, a tracking beacon in his back. I mean, this thing was like he had him busting over eighty pounds. That's how huge he was. Jeez. So we cast at him. I, I I get my brother. I get my brother crap out all the time. So I got it on my GoPro. I was like, you, I was like, it was your fault you lost that fish. So in the video, looks up on it. And he set the hook too fast. He jerked back. I'm like, I won't hear nothing. The video tells it all. There's no excuses for this. Uh, he's not going to live that one down. Like, nah, uh, literally missed an 80-pound fish. Yeah, he's not going to live that one down. You're going to have nightmares about this fish. Man, insane. All right. So, uh, so let's get into this next subject. I mean, I'm fascinated by it. Dan's definitely fascinated. I've never done it, but it looks very interesting. Uh, so you do this around the, uh, the CBBT bridge, uh, since if anyone's never been down there, it's this ginormous, I don't know, I think it's like 19 mile bridge that connects the Eastern shore with Virginia or something like that. Right. Yeah. All, all, all I know is I got to pay like freaking 20 bucks to get over that thing <laughs> all the time. It kills me, but yeah. So, but here's the thing, if you guys ever been there or just kind of dabbled in it, the current there is ridiculous. Like Dude, certain that thing, areas, that thing's ridiculous. It's like, ridiculous. But here's the here's 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 the fun so part. Ridiculous. Here's the fun part. Corey spearfishes in that water. Like, like how is that even possible? To be honest, well, mainly we, we're trying we're trying to catch that slack. Mm -hmm. There's no there's no moving current because when it picks up, it turns on like a light switch, and you're getting swept away. So, so when you spearfish, you're pretty much timing it exactly where almost slack is so you guys get that little window of slack water just to spearfish yeah but it's not slack tide we're mainly we're mainly diving the island out there oh the yeah, island I don't the, know, the, a lot of fish the, the those rock islands that connects all the bridges yeah but, gotcha. it's, yeah, but i thought you were hopping down on like the pilings like literally in the middle of nowhere yeah we yeah we we dive the pilings <laughs> You guys are some and, brave and, guys, man. I've seen the I've seen the current through those areas, and you guys got you guys your balls are made of steel. I would never jump <laughs> down there, definitely, man. Yeah, there's a lot of fish on them poles. Like some days, it looks, some days, it looks like a straight aquarium down there. Yeah, yeah. I, I bet. I mean, I mean, you had a story you were telling us a little bit earlier about that Kobe you guys picked up in like five minutes. Let's let's retract that story again. Yeah. So, like I said, we we're out there. I get home from work. My brother hits me up. He's like, hey, you want to uh, – it's flat. We should do you take skip off for a little bit. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm down. So we get out there. We have one sight casting rod and a spear gun. And we pull we pull up to this, this set of pylons. I said, hey, Brandon, I said, there's a Kobe on that, on that pole. So he gets in, and he shoots his Kobe He's like screaming. He's like, you bring the boat over, bring the boat over here. Bring the boat over here. It was like 55 inch Kobe. Giving him the boat. We're hype. I said, we can go in if you want. I said, we only about it for five minutes. <laughs> we call it a day. So we call it a day. And that's that skiff, man, the biggest biggest POS ever. Only good thing on that boat was a motor. Man. POS skiff goes out five minutes. Shoots a 55 pound cobia, comes back in, and you guys finished it. Called a day. Everyone gets a, gets a chunk of cobia fillet, and then that's it. Yeah, but like like I said, at the, at the end of at the end of August, mm -hmm. they're all stick. They're all on them poles, and I'm like, well, 
instead of trying to catch one and going through the struggle of getting hooked up and getting broke off on the pylon, just get in and shoot them. It's way easier, you know? Yeah. That's, what, that's my next question, too. Since August, you said they're loaded up on these poles. What's the odds of actually landing one once you get hooked up on it? Or are they even feeding at that time? Or are they just, just kind of feeding, hanging out there? Well, yeah, they're not feeding. Cast, cast the Elon, they don't hit it. Mm-hmm. Put spear on, pop spear gun in. Yeah, shoot I, I mean, I figured that's the case. The odds of you actually landing Kobe off one of those pilings once you hook up onto him, it's like almost physically, physically got to be almost impossible. But, uh, I mean, you guys, you guys get into big bull reds on those pilings too, and you guys get them out. Yeah. Yeah. But mainly, we catch, catch a lot of bull reds on, mm-hmm. uh, on the island. I remember one day we were, at, we were at the fourth island for spearfishing, and I'm out there diving. Corner my eye, I see something like white swimming towards me. I'm like, this is not a cobia. So it was like five, I don't know what kind of shark it was. It was like a five foot shark swims underneath me. And I'm like, all right, calm down, calm down. So he like comes, dives under, swims underneath me, backtracks, and then just swims off in the deep. So I, I like, I swim to the boat, take my fins off, throw my gun in there. My friends are like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I get in the boat. I was like, yeah. Yeah, there's a shark down there. So I get in the boat and look over and see splashing. It was a school of bull reds on top of the water. So I get in the boat, take the spear off, throw the bucktail on a boat on a, on a massive bull red. That's a pretty nice consolation prize, I would say. Yeah. Man, speaking of sharks, uh, yeah, I've seen this one crazy video on your Instagram, right? I want to hear about that story. You met the mecca of sharks, didn't you, down there? I was going to say, before we tell the story, let's, uh, I, I always want people to understand like what your vision is once you put on those, those fins, that mass, and you jump into that deep, dark water. Like, What's it feel down there as a spear fisherman? Like, I dive for fun, and I free dive, like rocks and jetties and stuff just to like just to goof around but like you guys are literally like jumping in like 100 feet of water like what's it like like being down there is it serene like i want to know i want the listeners to know what you feel as you hop into that water you don't ever know what you're gonna expect especially when it's like semi-clear and murky on the pole on like on the poles Mm -hmm. you dive down you know you're gonna see i mean you're automatically gonna dive down and see bait fish yeah so you like Past summer, well, there's one evening we went out. Every pole we dove, there was massive sheep's head on it. I mean, sheep's head were so big. And uh, you know, one day when me and my brother dive in the same set, and I dive down and shoot a sheep's head. As soon as I shoot shoot this sheep's head, a big cobia swims underneath me. As I come up to my brother, I was like, yeah, I was like, there's a big cobia down there. He's like, I know, I saw him, but I shot a sheep's head also. So I was like, man, I was pissed, man. Huh. And this Kobe is huge. Now, do you do you ever get do you ever get afraid of diving in certain areas? Because I mean, it's it's not, it's not for the weak. Definitely diving, spear fishing is not for the weak. Like, do you have this, Do you have any ounce of fear in you as you go down there? I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I do, but my brother doesn't. Like, he he's an absolute he's an absolute monster at it. Like. We'll dive down. I'll see him dive down. And I'm like, yeah, this dude's keep on going. Like the pressure, like the pressure on my ears is absolutely insane. Like one, one time he came up, dude's lips were white. I said, yo, how deep are you diving? I said, you're gonna freaking die. <laughs> then I'm gonna then we, oh, another another incident at the fourth island. At the fourth island. You know, this is actually why I got back in the boat when I uh 
I seen that shark after I caught the bull red. That was a good day. So he's in the water. He get, he comes back up. He's screaming. He's screaming. He's like, he's like, I got a jack. I got a jack. Man, he had this jack is probably like 60 pounds. 60 pound jack corral at um in the Chesapeake Bay at the in the Chesapeake Bay at the island. A lot of people say they're trash fish, but we cut it up and ate it. Man, I think it was good. Yeah, I've, I've heard that because, like I said, I've been, I'm from Florida, so I know what Jack Ravel was. I didn't even know you guys get Jack, Jack Ravel up this far. We didn't either. Like, we, we, I was surprised. He came up. I was like, what? I was like, you're lying. He's like, I swear to God. He's like, I might need you to get in the water and put another shaft in him because he's so big. That's like, he was crazy. Down, he's, like, he's like, I seen him. He's like, I couldn't believe it. He's like, I, I had to pull the trigger. I couldn't help it. Like okay. you probably seen the picture on my Instagram, but that fish was massive. Like, I've seen it. I've seen I'm it. Where you like, I'm probably gonna catch hell for this. Is it what what the what the the post says, right? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just like that sense of like you. you I, I try to reframe from what you're saying back. I was like, did he just say Jack Cravel? I thought he was talking about like an amber jack or like uh, amblego jack or some kind. No, he. I was like, he literally just said Jack Cravel, like the mini GTs. And then, but a 60 pounder is what, 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 what got me listening. I was like, 60 pounder, that's a jack. That's like a mother of all jacks. Yeah. But like you said, you said catch, I mean, catching hell for, I mean, to be honest with you, man, you catch hell for keeping fish too small, keeping, keeping fish too big. I mean, keeping a limit. I'm just like, you know, you want to keep it, you want to keep it, keep it. Yeah, man. I, I, I mean, as long as you're gonna shoot it and you're gonna not let it go to waste and dump it in trash, you know what I mean? That's that's yeah. kind of our thing. That's like, like we had. I mean, if you you probably seen on Instagram. We had that incident up here in Jersey with that kid that shot that tarp. Right? Oh, I saw that, man. I saw that. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I mean, we get it. I mean, some of us get it, some of us don't. But you're talking about a tarpon that's way out of its area. You know, it's it's from Florida. I mean, let's. Well, 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 we won't let the bag out, but we know that there are tarpon on the eastern shore, of Virginia Beach. We know, we know the areas, but we're gonna we're gonna keep this on a hush. But it's they're there, but but like if you ever gotten to the point, like if you if one crossed your path, would you shoot it? No, I wouldn't. To be honest with you, right? So, you wouldn't. For, but there's no point in shooting it because you can't eat it, and then I mean. I mean, yeah, you get the cool bragging rights with a cool folder, but the fact that you shot a tarpon, it's just like, okay. So, yeah. Because I'm diving, I have a GoPro on my gun. Yeah. So they, I have a passion of like actually seeing it on the photo. Yeah. Or the video. Exactly. But so we definitely have tarpon here. Like we were, me and my, we were out there trout fishing one day. Mm -hmm. And uh, no one, no one will believe us. <laughs> of course. Uh, we have picture, video. But me and my brother looked at each other. He's like, you saw it. I said, I saw it. So he hooks, he hooks up on a fish, drag string. I think it's bull rag. So like two seconds later, this tarpon somersaults out of the water. It was like 40, like it was like four inches. That so was last fall, right? Apart. Huh? Last fall, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I remember I, all that. Because I was like, and there was another guy that was fishing too. He's like, that was a striper. I said, no, striper don't jump out of the water and they don't have like a long stringy rooster tail come off, coming off their fin. You know what I'm saying? I was mm -hmm. like, that was a tarpon. But I was like, yo, you, you, I saw it. You saw it. It happened. I was like, we're going to talk about this forever. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, definitely it's, they're here. I mean, they're, we, we get, let's see, the furthest one I've seen this year, Montauk, New York had a tarpon in one of their fight nets. 
They, no way. They, yeah, there was a there was a juvenile. I think they said it was like 30, 35 inch, 36 inch juvenile tarpon up in Montauk this year, New York. So they travel, man. Don't don't get me wrong. They travel. But another thing I heard, I, I heard from Dan is you guys have snook up there, too. But the, these were caught in nets. I mean, I would I wouldn't put a bass in, you know, global warming. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've been diving. I've been down at the island before. I've I seen a mango snapper down there. I'm not gonna lie. I I, I tried I tried my hardest to shoot him, but I couldn't. And like he was like a mango snapper. Deep, just deep in the rocks. Crazy. So I was like, no, I give up. Yeah, Sorry, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't believe it. I gotta say, I was down there in the fall. I two falls ago, and there was guys netting like gigantic mullet on the beaches, um, uh, Chesapeake Bay beaches. I'll put it that way. And they they were netting like. 16 to 18, 18 inch snook mixed in with the with the uh with the mullet now this was probably october two years ago i want to say 2019 i mean that that current that current brings any and everything in here oh. like we, we're out and we're out fishing off um off bucker i don't know if you guys know where that's at we're in the little skiff fishing yeah. for Columbia on the bottom and the guy we were fishing with he hooks his mass i think it was it was called a a northern it's still with some kind of exotic pufferfish i've never seen before i've been fishing in the chest bay like my whole life yeah and i was like i've never seen i even called the bait shop i was like yo what is this thing <laughs> it's five probably one of those uh, northern fugus uh they had they're real uh smooth yeah i think that's what it was they rainbow colors uh those are the poisonous ones those are the ones you can't those oh, are the ones we definitely we definitely threw it back yeah dude, those those are the ones that you you go into a sushi shop and you and you get that special master chef that's been doing it for 25 years to cut it for you and he has to be certified because if you cut that wrong you're dead so yeah those things are pretty cool we get them once in a while up here they're pretty they're pretty cool looking though they're ginormous though they're like they're like 20 30 inches of puffer yeah it was definitely big Corey, i got one question for you so when you're down there spearfishing now you you have a lot of options from like spade fish all the way up to cobia. Are you using the same kind of gear all the way through, or you have multiple spear fishing setups? I mean, it's the same gun. Yeah, so you use the same gun. Yeah, when we first when we first started, we were down in North Carolina fishing Orland Bridge, and we're fishing the trestle. This was the old bridge before they tore it down. We're sitting there fishing. We see a guy getting water with spear gun. So he dives down. Each time he dove down, he came up with a big sheep's head. And I was like, yeah, we need to buy a spear gun. <laughs> so we bought a spear gun. And we sat, we sat on a boat, too. So we, had, we went to the bridge tunnel, get water. And like, we were so excited to shoot spade fish. <laughs> but now, but now, there's, but now we've like evolved and grown. I, I refuse to shoot spade fish. I don't, I don't think it tastes good. Because there's, there's just so many down there, it's easy. Like when you look for a massive sheep's head, when you're kind of species is more of a challenge. Well, and that's, that's one thing I, I wanted to highlight is that, you know, when you talk conservation with spear fishermen, spear fishermen, some of the spear guys I know are more conservation friendly than anybody else I know. Cause honestly they get under the water, they have a buffet in front of them. So they can be very selective in what they're taking. You know, oftentimes you'll see, you know, a spear guy and this doesn't account for everybody, but they'll go in and shoot one or two fish and call it a day. Whereas, you know, we're out there trying to catch our limits and this and that. And it's just, you know, I, I've found that and we plan to have like dedicated spear guys on here. I've talked to a couple guys, but um, we found that at least in my, my travels that spear guys tend to be more conservation friendly than anybody else, because you ultimately 
you could shoot just about anything under there that's right in front of you, you know, if you have the right kind of skill set. But you're more a little bit more selective because you're not going to probably shoot that, you know, 28 inch sheep's head when you know that, you know, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you could go shoot an 18 inch sheep's head because that's what makes more sense for what you may want to do, you know, something to that effect, you know. Yeah, or vice versa, you can get in the water, see a massive sheep's head, shoot that one sheep's head, and you're good. It'll right. feed multiple people, you know what I'm saying? Usually, yeah. go ahead. Go I'm ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, usually, summertime, put two coat. Well, I don't know what one is now because it's coming into the 2022, but 2021, you're going to keep two cobia. So go out there, put two, put two cobia in the boat, go to the bridge, shoot a couple fish. Troll for Spanish, troll for Spanish miracle on my way in. Call it a day. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, like usually when you hop in the water, like your mindset is, do I find the biggest fish, or do you are you looking for like a decent kind of average fish to take home for dinner? Just decent and average. Because I mean, you can eyeball it and tell what's legal or not. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like I know there's a um. There's a, an old, I think it's like an old lighthouse up, up in up in the bay. We dove it. I never seen this before. You had sheep's head, spade fish, and hog all schooling together. I mean, these are some these are just some big tog. Yeah, we uh we get that up here. The sheep's head, they 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 school up with the tog on certain rock piles. So or some, like sometimes you'll dive down, you see like not a school, but like just a wall of spade fish. Every now and then you'll see a sheep's head trying to trying to blend himself <laughs> in that school. Like it was a big like, oh, oh no, buddy, <laughs> you got to come up. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. It's a bunch of crazy. All right, so let's get back to this uh this this the shark story I want to hear about. I've I've seen the video and yeah, uh, I would. I would never jump in the water again if it had, I saw the same video. If that was me, but let's hear the story. All right, you, are y'all you guys ready for it? Yeah, I'm ready for ready. it. Like this, I've seen this. I've watched this video over and over and over because Dan showed me, and I'm just like, no, never. I'm not going <laughs> back in that water. All right, so my boy, my boy Charlie, he got a he got a new gray white. First time we took it out, we caught a yellowfin. Like every time we go on this boat, we we see we. Catch or see something crazy. Mm. So the next time we went out, we went, we went out offshore Virginia Beach, the fish wrecks for sea bass and tall. So we get out there. We're not expecting to catch these massive black drum. I mean, these things were massive. So my brother, my brother hooks one a black drum. He thinks he snagged on the anchor. So they pull the anchor up. Fish wasn't there. So Charlie hooks up on a big on a big black drum. He's reeling it, reeling it in, he's fighting it. So I just see the head of the black drum on my side of the boat and behind it was a shark and his girlfriend's fishing next to me. And I looked at her, I was like, yeah, there's a shark right there. Then he gets closer. I'm like, yo, that's a great, <laughs> a great white shark. And I was like, I'm so glad I had the GoPro on me. I was like, I got to break the GoPro out, man. I said, y'all better enjoy this. I was like, this is probably a once in a blue moon thing. And I, I put, I put, I posted the video and I had, I had guys in my, in my DMs talking about some, why aren't you going to water and swim with it? 
I said, I said absolutely not. Like I got, I got so close to this, this great white shark, I could reach over and touch it. And um, my brother made a video, and because he's behind me while I'm recording, I get so close. You can see me back up <laughs> from this shark, man. That 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 thing was a big shark. And like I got, I had other people comment on on the Facebook photo. Like they were like, um, um, posting that it's like a website you can track them, and they're like yeah. posting what kind of shark it is, but. I didn't see a, tra- a tracking device in its fin. And my, the Grady White was a 23-footer. 20, this shark was damn near half the size of the boat. That's a good I mean, shark. this is a massive shark. That's a good Grady White half. It, it so you're looking at 13 feet. That's a good That's a good seven, eight, almost 900-pound Great White. It's, it's, still, it's still a juvie, but it's, that's a decent-sized Great White. Yeah, so be- before I edited the video – like you can actually hear the shark's like teeth like cutting through the flesh. I was like, yeah, that's bone chilling. And if they're talking about getting in the water with that thing, I said, oh no. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, I've, I've seen I've seen hammerheads, duskies out, out, like on top of water. This is great, white shark. That, that's what made it so like like so special. So that that great white shark was actually chasing the black drum, like he yeah. The shark yeah he shark you guys. He probably made that 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 big drum. Like looked like nothing in the water then. Yeah, it was a big drum too, big drum. That's insane, dude. I I I always thought to myself, one day I'm gonna be out here in Jersey. I'm gonna be like striper fishing or something, and hooked up a nice striper and pull alongside, and a great white a, a 13, 14 foot great white's gonna come right next to my little fifteen foot skiff, and I I I wouldn't even know what I wanted to do. Yeah, shit. We we've been out there cobia fishing before. We've seen a um, I think it was like a five or six foot hammerhead mm-hmm. top of the water. Wow, yeah. I couldn't believe it. Those are pretty cool looking when they're swimming up top. Corey, but, how far offshore were you when you when you encountered the great white? We're like 20, 20 25 miles. miles. I mean, do, do, do you remember? Do you remember what time of season this was? This was like almost like a month and a half ago. Yeah, it was like the beginning of November, I think. Yeah. Spot right. So I know cold, the cold water started moving. They're getting closer with the cold water, so they're feeding. Yeah, and winter winter time is like like prime time to get like black sea bass and um tall fishing out there. So the black mm-hmm. sea bass they love that cold water, so they get yeah. really big. Yeah, jumbos jumbo sea basses, man. That's some good tasting fish, right? Oh there. yeah, man, they taste so good. They, they look when they get when they get that that knot on their head and they got that sea yeah. foam color to them, and they just look absolutely crazy. Yeah, and you know what? That's a very uh. uh good harvesting fish you know what i mean they reproduce super quick there's there's a lot of them around i mean it takes them a little bit to get to that keeper size but like it's a good sustainable fishery trick the sea bass because yeah. they're they're a lot to clean too like you're fun, fun catch them you get back to the dock you're like man, we gotta clean the boat and we gotta clean all these black sea bass <laughs> a lot man uh besides that great white store you got any other crazy wild spear fishing stories out there no, not really. Besides, besides that, like the five foot shark that's underneath me. I mean, I've been waiting for it to happen so I can finally, like, you know, okay, I got that that fear of seeing a shark while I'm diving like out of the way. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, all right, let's hear some personal bests. Uh, you'd be seeing some big stuff, so I would kind of want to know what's your personal best cobia, sheep, whatever else fisheries you guys got down there. So personal best cobia. I think it was, he weighed in at 53 pounds, the one that broke mm-hmm. the rod. Yeah. 
you're probably not gonna believe when I say this, but I've never caught a sheep's head on a rod and reel. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So the biggest biggest one. I mean, I don't, I don't really think it would count. Spearfishing. Mm-hmm. Probably like ten pounds. And then speckled trout is that the one the twenty nine and a half. I think that, that bull red I caught length was I think forty eight. Forty eight inches. That's a good big bull red, man. Yeah, that's yeah. They get they get massive, man. Especially down in North Carolina. You, you ever ran into those freaking crazy videos we've seen on uh, like Instagram and stuff, where like the massive schools are like literally right on top of the water, and it's like lights out, like they're everywhere. Yeah, we're like you see a school and like everybody gets a boat upon the boat. Yeah, it's funny because like we we seen a um the school it's like a, just a sheet of, a sheet of gold it looks mm-hmm. absolutely crazy. So we cast cast into it, we hooked up on two cobia. I guess his cobia are swimming behind him, and we hooked up on two cobia. That's actually how I broke my rod. I don't know how what happened. I guess he he got it was like a I got I'm not gonna lie to you, I, got, I got greedy. That's on my rod, but I guess I actually gut hooked him, and the, the, the rod snapped. And my uh, my friend Ike's like, "See, I told you to cut the line. We we could have we could have been tripled up, tripled up on three bull reds, but you want to get greedy and try and try to uh, break your record or catch and catch that last one. Now he a broke rod. <laughs> oh, he he doesn't ever let me put that down. Man, I bet. Uh, spy reel did that. So um. We just talked about the great white. So um, that's pretty much most of my questions and, and everything I interest. You asked, you answered most of it. Um, dude, I don't know. I might have to suck it up one day and just make that trip down with Dan and try to get into these fish with you guys, man. These winter fishery, I mean, you guys talk way too much about it, how these sea tra- the, these speckles are so big down there. And I'm just like, I'm so itching. It's only a four hour ride from here. I'm just like, I was like, man, maybe I'll just freaking hook the skiff up and just tow it on dude do it do it especially in the summertime like you just have so many options of fish to catch like you go out go ahead i'm sorry go ahead you go out and catch just multiple species come home and there's a a different different like class like class fisher you know what i'm saying you want summertime you want to catch cobia catch cobia bullheads sheep's head and so on yeah, for me, it's it, for thing. I think for me, if I was a toe down there, it's gonna be a hunt for the big stuff. Like I want that trophy, the big bull red. I want to hit. I want to try to put my work into trying to find that nice speckled. You know what I mean? That kind of that. And then yeah, cobia too. But you know, with a small skiff, it's kind of like the windows. It's like you gotta find. You gotta pick your days, and it's not always perfect. Yeah, it's it's so hard that weather window. Is, yeah, the it's, it's so hard. Yeah, so weather window. Sometimes, sometimes you'll have a week. Yeah, weather windows and small skiffs aren't the funnest thing in the world, man. So, oh, especially coming, especially when you're trying to plan a trip from up here. Like, yep. you know, it, you can, you can look at every possible weather app there is and get down there, and the conditions are completely different. I, you, you know, you Corey, you mentioned about like so many different options. I know there was a day down there last summer where we fished, we fished the 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 Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel in the morning. I think we went all the way out to the the third island came back in fish Lynn Haven and then went back out to like the second or third Island again, the same day. Like it's just, it's just, it's wild. Like you can, you can get into some of these crazy runs where, you know, you're hearing about fish popping up somewhere out of the ordinary and then you're just on the run, you know, it's running gun around there. It's, it's pretty, 
it's a pretty cool place to to spend some time you know really breaking down the water and and testing your metal i mean there's there's fisheries down there like you, you talk about the, the redfish for example like i plan to target those bull reds in the spring on my kayak that's something i want to do i'm going to get up with medell and you know who we've had on in the past and and hopefully uh get on that and it's just there's just so much to do down there. I always have all these goals and I never finish it, finish out what my, what my goals are. Yeah. I mean, you, you got, you got depth finder in your kayak, right? Yeah. Depth oh yeah, of course. Hey, you can see, you can literally see them on your depth finder. Yeah. 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 I got, right down, up. Literally, man, I got, I got the side scan. I got the down imaging, the, the mega stuff. So I literally can see every little rock, every little cranny down there. So I know, I know some people, they call that, as to what the side scan some people yeah, call it that, you know, they call it cheating but well then you got the guys with the periscope where they're like that's fish catch fish. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> okay. it's, it's like the, they're looking into fish's eyeballs it's the live scope, man. I, love, I i the, the only thing i like using the side scans when i'm going out open ocean so i can look out 200 feet on left and right side of me because i'm looking for bait because if i can see the bait up top i'm looking for a bait underwater that's usually how i locate fish and i mean i know a lot of guys down south use it for like like cobia and stripers and uh, like tarpon and stuff. They'll cruise the flats, literally 200 side, 200 feet on each side. And literally they'll see a tarpon sit in that direction. So they'll literally cast right to it. So. Yeah. I know technology has definitely changed, changed fishing. Oh, it's, it's crazy. Like you're cruising, you're cruising the islands down there and you see guys that have, uh, you know, significantly more money in their electronics than they do the boat that they're on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you'll see the guys in the kayak catching more fish yeah. than the guys on the expensive boats. Yeah, yep. so. exactly. Like I'm saying, sweet, sweet doesn't catch fish. <laughs> right. All right, cool. Well, I'm, I'm done on my portion. I'm going to send it back to Dan, see if Penny has any last questions before we start wrapping this up. Corey, one last question. Could you give us a rundown of your spearfishing gun? Because that's something that uh, I, I'm interested in. I want to get a little bit more info. Maybe some of our listeners would too. You know, you kind of have that that uh, Swiss Army knife that can shoot spade fish all the way up to Cobia. What what is that? What is that that uh, that piece of equipment that you use there? Yeah, so if I'm diving, if I'm diving at the bridge tunnel, I use a size seventy Rob Allen spear gun with a reel. That that pretty much handles everything out of the bay. But if you if you go offshore, you're gonna need a bigger gun. Yeah. That that seventy is. Is not cutting it, but if I'm if I'm if I'm doing a short short dive off the beach, uh, I'll just I'll use like a, a little 50 centimeter gun. Like if you guys, if you guys ever get a chance, you know, like you want to like get into spear fishing, there's wrecks off the beach down in Carolina you can dive. Interesting. And they're they're pretty sweet. Like first first time we dove it, it was early in the morning. We do we dove on this little wreck. There was a massive sea turtle just chilling on the bottom. Now, now how deep is this wreck? I mean, you, you see some pretty cool stuff down there. All right, cool. But uh, these, these wrecks you're talking about off uh, North Carolina, how deep is it, like that wreck? Oh, that that wreck? Yeah. It's, it's, been, it's been a couple years since I've dove it. That wreck was probably like 15, 15 foot. Ah, 15 foot's doable. That's yeah, it was, like, it was like a good, like – I want to say 30, 40 yards off the beach. And like on a, on a, on a clear day when the water is like clear, you can actually yeah. see all the wrecks from the beach. Oh, that's pretty crazy. And yeah. I'm assuming when you're spearfishing, you're free diving, right? No tanks, no nothing. Yeah. Okay. 
free diving. Cool. Well, Corey, I'm going to have to come down and jump in the water with you at some point next summer. Hey, come on down. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Your brother, I'll, I'll leave him to the crazy stuff and I'll hang with you since you're, you're, you have more of the fear in you. I, that's, that's how I am too. That the sharks and stuff is what, what scares me. I'll, I'll stick to the guy that has the fear is going to be a little bit more careful. Yeah. Like, like he, he don't care. I'm like, man, you're, you're crazy, man. Like there's some days like, sometimes I just end up in fish. He, one day he, he, caught, he shot, all the all the fish we back to dog i was like yeah i only shot one sheep today and the rest of the fish he filled the whole dock up <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> insane and then uh how often do you get after like things like mahi and um and, and northerns and things like that oh dang we, we didn't we didn't even dip, dip in those topics did we yeah we, we go offshore fishing um at virginia beach we always, we always go on this boat called longer days Okay. And have you guys ever vertical jigged? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, them, them Amberjack and Elmicos will make you break a sweat. First time I did, I woke up. My, my arm was so sore. Man, I, 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 I don't even want to deal with freaking Amberjacks. Like, oh, me neither. I don't, I don't, I, I don't I, even I want to deal with them. Yeah. I'll catch one and I'll be, I'll be good for the day. I literally don't want to hook up in any, any Amberjacks at all. They're, they're a waste of time, man. Yeah, it's like it's like fighting a big bulldog, man. Literally, like you, you'll you'll vertical jig, snap, 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 and they'll just grab you and try to rip you, rip the rod out of your arm, and it's it's just a big tug of war with a big bulldog. It's it'll it'll, it'll go forever, and then that's it. and it's not like they're hard to hook all the time either. But after one or two, your arms are done. You just you just don't even want to hook up another one, man. I've I've been through that in Florida. No, definitely not. Just like I, I, I refuse to go vertical jigging with a um a casting reel. I got I gotta have a spinning because mm -hmm. it I, I, it's a lot harder to to jig real, real the big fishing with that casting reel. Yeah, it is. It is, and especially you get the speed with the uh, the spinning reel too. You know, you get like a ten thousand, like a like a 50, like eighteen thousand or something. Just just literally, literally just speed speed jig it up, and then freaking that's when they crush it. And then that and then you guys freaking sit there and battle for like half hour for an amberjack. But see, just the jigging will wear your shoulder out. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why most of the times you got to. Half few like, times I've been out, I said, nah. I'll take a ballyhoo. Yeah. <laughs> put on a vertical jig and just drop it. <laughs> that, that after my, that's after my shoulders like burnt out from jigging it up. Yeah. I mean, jigging's fun until it gets to a point when it's not fun anymore. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know what? The, the one question we always ask, Dan, we never have, we actually didn't ask Corey, and I'm going to ask it. Bucket list fishes, Corey. Do you, do you have any that you ever, you want to get into, or you you have a, a trip planned, or just something you want to knock off your list? Yeah, it's got it's actually two. Okay. First one, it's got to be the rooster fish. <laughs> That's on all our bucket lists, man. Yes. Second one is that uh, that GT. He's got my bucket list. Yeah. His, his is identical to my bucket list. Dude, man, that, G, that GT is crazy, man. I've, I've seen videos on that fish. Like, they literally eat everything in sight. I, I watched one video. This thing ate a, a bird off the top of the water. Yep. Yeah. Yep, they do. They they And their timing is so insane with it. If, if you watch a few videos when these guys go out to, uh, like, the seashells and stuff, like, they'll literally – just grab a rock and literally throw it in the air and they, they time it so well that they'll be at the bottom of that rock before it even hits the water. 
like their vision above water it's insane that's how they begin they they be airing out and grabbing those fishes the, those birds by flying and then like top water fishing for you yeah, first time i seen that video i was like yeah i got i yeah. got yeah yeah top water yeah, fishing for them mm-hmm. it's crazy and roosters roosters are cool uh definitely they're on my bucket list now the rooster did you want to try to shoot one with a spear too because GT, no. I'm gonna say GT's like literally impossible. I mean, they 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 move way too fast to shoot them with a spear. I think so. normally if if I if I'm not gonna eat it, I'm not gonna shoot it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I, I just want to catch one. Yeah, those things are, and they, you don't have to go that far either, especially for roosters. I mean, Costa Rica has them, so it's not too far from us, right? Yeah. Do they do they have them down in Florida? uh roosters no roosters definitely not closest plate closest area we have around here that has roosters is like um uh costa rica that sounds about right yeah yeah mexico yep that's the closest we're going to get to be able to get any roosters or even gts if they're around so um any any cool trips you have planned coming up in 22 yeah we're trying to make a trip to new jersey and then i know now, I think it's too late in the season, but I watched a video of a guy in October catch those massive striper in the Cape Cod Canal. Like that yeah, is, that'd be that, crazy. That, I mean, that's a good that's a good bite. I mean, I, I plan to make that trip. Uh, when did they do up there? May, May, June, something like that. It's, it's the best time, time season to hit the canal. They're up there. Then there's Montauk. I mean, you guys got big bass off the uh, – they're off, what, Cape Charles Island, I think? Cape yeah. Charles, Virginia? Cape Charles. Yeah, a couple of our guys are down there fishing, and they they put a couple almost sixty pounders in the boat. Um, but they're they're doing they're tagging them, so that's that's why they're down there doing it now. But um, do you guys get a good run of uh, stripers off the Virginia Beach? I mean, I've never like fished for the big ones off the boat. We do a lot of like um, shore fishing for them, but the biggest mm-hmm. one we we pulled from the shoreline. This fish was like, I think it was like forty three. 44 inches oh, that's a good fish though from from the shore yeah that's like that's in, in, this, in this little canal on a popping board <laughs> out of nowhere right it's just like hey in the micro canal you pull out a, a 44 inch striper yeah they, they love that running water moving water yeah they do they do uh yeah they're they're amazing fishery i, I I'm, I'm in love with them um i think my biggest one this year was like yeah they're, they're kind of good yeah i think my biggest one this year was like 47 i think 47 inches yeah i'm I'm still trying to break that 50 inch 50 pound mark but you know i mean it's they're far and few you know it's the the fishery's been taking a beat in the past few years and we've been trying our best to try to help preserve it and just educate people about the conservation and preserve as much as they can Uh, hopefully they make a bounce back man i mean they did it with redfish i don't see why they can't do it with stripers you know yeah they definitely did they were redfish you know and then like especially and especially the numbers were specs too like you know guys like yourself and the early release over 20 initiative like everyone's putting pit, pitching their little you know the little help in but it's it's helped the fishery bounce back a lot from what it used to be and especially with the specs you guys get that weird code that comes in that kills them all too so they got to battle with like fishermen and then they got to deal with the weather too so that's even worse yeah i, I know like was it last year texas had that big big freeze over there yeah, Texas had the big freeze. Florida had the red tide. You know what I mean? Like, Mother Nature doesn't play well with these guys either. So, yeah, they're really they're pretty much stuck trout, fragile fish. 
Yep, definitely are. All right, uh, so we're getting near the end. Um, if you want, Corey, why don't you go ahead? Uh, we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, let our listeners know where they can find you on your social media plugs. Um, any of your your, your branding plug, pro staff, or anything? You know, anything you guys want you want to discuss and let people find out about you, your brothers, or any of your friends down there? Just go ahead and plug away. I mean, nah, we just we just love fishing. Cool. And uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say my Instagram. Yep. You just c c mayo underscore on instagram that's about it yeah check out his instagram man he's got some gorgeous fish on that page man and it's gonna be c mayo s-e-a spelled c like the ocean but m-a-y-o underscore s-e-a-m-a-y-o underscore yeah definitely yeah check the man out man he's he's got some gorgeous fish on there and then you know like i said he does he participates in our release over 20 with the rest of us and helping preserve that fishery man He's but, a big uh, fish magnet, man. Yeah, definitely is a big fish magnet, man. One, one of these days, I'm going to suck it up. I'm going to take a ride with Dan. We're going to go down there. We're going to fish together. Like, I'd, I'd like to beat the banks with you. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't hit the banks much no more ever since I got a yeah. boat, but well, it, I'll, I'll definitely do it, you know, just to be able to get into some like fishing time with a couple of good guys, man. Yeah, yeah man. man. Get some waders and put you guys as a paperwork fish. Word. Sounds yeah. good. All right. But Corey, let's get yeah, definitely. Thanks, Corey. Thanks for hopping on with us today. We definitely enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I definitely learned a lot, a little bit more about cobia fishing because I'm still on the hunt for my first New Jersey sightseeing cobia. So, yeah, man, it was good talking to you guys. Most hey, it was a pleasure having you, brother. Thank you so much for joining us. It was great talking to you. And I look forward to catching up with you when I get down there this year. I got to spend a little bit more time down there this year. So I look forward to, to spending some time with you, brother. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, just, uh, just hit me up, man. You got it, man. Sounds hey, good. we're going to stay on if you, whenever you want to hop off, hop off. We're going to stay on, but yeah, thanks again, tight lines, brother. We really appreciate you. Yeah, man. Have a good, appreciate have a good it. night, man. Have a good night. We'll, we'll 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 meet up one day. All right, you guys. Have a good one. All right, take, take it care. easy, bro. All right, another another killer. Virginia beach angler that kind of has these big fish figured out, man. We, we get, we got a good, uh, we got a good link to some of these guys down South that have some of these fisheries figured out. Now we just need to capitalize on it. Right. Yeah, definitely, man. This winter, you know, winter, it's always the winter doldrum with us up here, right? Like it gets too cold. I don't want to talk fish. I don't, I, I super lazy to trout fish. Yeah. I'm, I'm at that point where like, yo, you know what? I'm going to have to suck it up. We're going to take that ride. We're going to do something else. We're gonna try to hunt a couple of speckle. Like I still want to make the trip down to like south, you know, north and like fish with Dana and them boys, man. Those guys, yeah, those guys are on some good fish too. So it's like, yeah, we're 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 making all these connections. It's gonna be hard to to follow up on all these people we're we're talking to. But yeah, I mean, Corey's another guy. He's he's big time with the release over twenty. He's you know, he's a selective harvest guy, which is the kind of the kind of person. I mean, we, we don't sit here and tell anybody they shouldn't keep fish. That's no. not that's not what we do, you know, but it's about selective harvest. And when you get into talking to these guys that spearfish, you know, like I was saying earlier, you, you find that these guys tend to be more on the conservation side just because they literally have food swimming in front of them if that's the goal is to spear fish for food and and they to kind of be selective and like they don't need to take the biggest or the smallest they can kind of take something that makes sense for whatever meal they're looking for and then call it a day because they can just go back and do that tomorrow i mean i 
I've been at the, I've been at places fishing, you know, for fluke and seeing, you know, guys come up with like one or two fluke and, you know, you know, those guys could get their limit every day if they want to, and they, mm -hmm. they're just a little bit more selective. And, you know, that, that's, that's what you find when you talk to most of these, these spear guys, not, not a, you know, not the guys that you're hearing about, like we talked with Joe, where they have 12, 15 sheep's head and they're just dumping dead sheep's head just to, just to do it. Yeah. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. It's um like I said, it's, it's hard to find, you know, respectable guys like Corey, you know what I mean? That are very, they're spear fishermen, but they're very selective what they do. And I mean, Corey does harvest fish, you know, and that, which is great, you know, for his family, his friends and stuff like that. Nothing goes to waste. You know, we, like me and Dan, we don't we don't jump on our podcast and say, "Hey guys, don't harvest any fish. You know, don't be a bad person. You got to release everything you catch." That's <laughs> not us. That's definitely not us. We're nope. I I harvest hog, you know, blackfish, you know, for my family. They love it. You know, what I mean, Dan harvests fish for his family. His kids yeah. love fish. You know what I mean? We are we are both fishermen, but at the same time, we're also conservationists. Yeah, we I mean, try I go go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, we just we just we try to protect the species as much as we can. You know, you don't have to go out there and fill your cooler every day. You know what I mean? It's like fr frozen fish don't taste great. If you can get it, do it. And, you know, fresh fish is the best fish. That's how I always see it. I agree. And, you know, my goal is to never buy fish again. I mean, obviously there's some, some things out there that, that you could buy that, that aren't readily available to you in our waters here, but, you know, on, honestly, you know, out of the fish that I catch, I, there's plenty of very sustainable options in there that I never feel the need to go to the store to buy something else. You know, it's just one of those things where, you know, if you're smart about it, you can have different options and they're, they're, you know, like, like we talked about perch and, you know, we've talked about snakeheads in the past, you know, you have these sustainable options. It just makes sense to, to lean more on those. And then, you know, and, and then kind of fun fish for some of the other fisheries like striped bass and sheep's heads and things like that. You know, mm -hmm. that's just the way I operate. I don't expect everybody to do it, do it the way I do, but that's just what makes sense for me and my family. Yep. That's, uh, that's pretty much about it. Um, once again, it was a fantastic show. Learned a lot. Corey's got a lot of knowledge. Um, but definitely we're going to get down there and fish with him hundred percent, man. Yeah, it seemed like he brightened up when we started talking about spearfishing. I think that's one of his passions there. So Corey's great. You know, he and I talk back and forth a lot. Um, you know, he's he he uses a lot of same gear that I do. So don't, don't hesitate to reach out to him if you have any questions and check out his page, man. He has a lot of great content, him and his brother, you know, and then it's just really it's just really fun to kind of get an idea of what other people are doing in different areas. Like Corey, Corey was out this morning, 33 degrees, you know, releasing big big trout so that, that's just the kind of stuff that I, I enjoy seeing you know when i can't get out i like to live vicariously through my my friends so but once again as always we appreciate everybody tuning in and i'll hand it over to you to wrap her up baby yeah man once again guys thank you for tuning in if you haven't already done so make sure you guys follow us on facebook at tide chasers podcast uh also on our instagram at tide underscore chasers um leave us a friendly comment on any of our podcast platforms we're on most of them uh, if you have any problems, feel free to reach out to us. We'll be able to fix all those. Um, we're also on Waypoint TV. Check them out. They got a bunch of different shows. If you love fishing shows or hunting shows, go on there, check them out. We're also on their podcast collective. So definitely check us out. Leave us a review on that. Every little review counts. Now, guys, if you guys are out there or ladies, if you guys are interested in hopping on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to us. We don't bite. We aren't scary. 
we just love talking about fishing. And if you're the type of person that loves to talk about fishing all day and all night, and that's all you can think about, you know, reach out to us, send us an email, send us a message on our Instagram. Well, we're usually super quick to reply. And we just want to talk fish. We want to connect you with other anglers, other listeners. And um, that's about it. That's the whole reason we create this podcast is to connect anglers from all over the world, all over the country. So we have one place, one like-minded and just have fish obsessed in our minds. I couldn't have said it any better, man. Tight lines, brother. All right. Tight lines, man. Until the next one, guys. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.